Happy Pick Swap, everybody, and welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I'm your, I guess I'm your host, Adam Lefko, filling in with Kyle Scott, Russell Joy. Uh, I haven't told these guys yet. Guys, I literally got into my apartment three minutes ago from San Diego. Like, I literally just got off the train and walked up and grabbed a Starbucks iced Look coffee. At you. And this is my first time with coffee on the podcast. But the fact that I was met with equal energy from Russell, that's how I know how excited he is about this pick swap. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you fellas. Pick swap, pick swap. Our Dark Lord Sam Hinkie has once again <laughs> delivered, and somehow Brian Colangelo is going to profit. Man, uh, we will get how to awesome, that in a second. How awesome oh, was the event? Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, can we? Yeah. I, I heard you guys were talking about the advertisers on Jersey. So let's clear out what happened last week. What is it with the Celtics? What is it with the Cavs? Just to clear up some stuff from Monday. Okay, it's going to be the quickest follow up ever, but got to do our due diligence. We talked about ads on jerseys. Uh, three points. Russ said he wishes the Sixers would have got a bigger company to sponsor them than StubHub. Got a lot of feedback, some feedback that StubHub is owned by eBay. So um, hard to get. Too much bigger there, so um, you could take that one on the chain. And they were first. Yeah, and they were first. Um, The Celtics deal with GE is only seven million, so only two million more than what the Sixers are getting from StubHub, five million. And later on Monday, the Cavs. Russ, you mentioned you wish the Sixers maybe would have signed with a big auto company. The Cavs inked a deal with Goodyear, and it's reported to be between five and ten million. So could be up to twice as much as the Sixers. Sure. But it looks like all these sponsorship deals are going to be in the same ballpark. Anyway, that's enough. Let's get on to the lottery, the draft. Yes. What the Sixers are going to do? Could they trade? Um, yeah, Russ. How Russ was, the was there last night, and I think that we should give props real quick to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast and Spike Eskin and Michael Levin for what they have created because it is crazy. Game recognized game. Uh, all disclosures ahead of time. I love Michael Levin. His dad was my optometrist growing up, and I played basketball with him my whole life. So I'm just going to be real and put that out there. But Rush, you were there. And this has turned into a night that Philadelphia is on the national stage. I think it's very funny that the NFL draft, Philly killed it. NBA draft lottery, Philly continues to kill it. Russell, you were there. Set the scene. What was the energy like for you? It was awesome. Um, We walked in sometime around like 6.30, and the place was starting to fill up. Um, It was just a a, a wacky kind of night where you were finally, I don't know, validated in a way. That is uh, somebody who's been a loyal uh, loyalist of Sam Hinkie to have seen other people who are just as weird, just as eccentric as I am, walking around excited for not even a draft pick, but for the actual lottery itself. And it's funny because when I was going to leave uh, with my buddy, his dad said, uh, let me get this straight. You guys are going to an event in Philly. It's not the pick, but it's a pick to make a pick. Mm. Or like, yes. He's like. Whatever, guys. Like, have fun, and and like, again, it's the the validation of of being odd and strange and loving everything yeah. about about watching watching Sam Hinkie's you know master work continue to play out long after his departure. The, and you the, watch Sam Hinkie's banner get lifted. What was that, that was, moment like? That was sensational. I mean, like it <laughs> it was. I, I is it going to stay there? Did they say? I, well, I don't know. Leave it up. I don't know. Okay. I really they hope should. they do. Uh, it was interesting because I guess that was a a thing that, uh, if I remember 
listening to Spike and Mike one day. They had said that they were surprised but excited that Xfinity Live was totally on board with it. So I hope they keep the uh, the hinky banner up, although I think they might run into a little bit of uh, an issue with the Sixers' uh, ownership, considering that it's you know, right across not. the parking lot. I mean, Josh Harris is out here saying he's going to give him a kiss. This motherfucker. But I want to get to that I, in listen, a second. I don't, so just to recap, so the night was nice. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was absolutely wild starting around like 7 o'clock. There was the proposal. That was really, really awesome up in the uh, the balcony. Um, I got to meet Derek Bodner, which was really cool because I've been listening to Sixers Beat and, and his stuff, and I like reading his stuff. So that was cool to talk to him for a while. Hopefully at some point we'll be able to you know have a chat with him. Um, but I, I, I liked meeting meeting him, meeting these other people, the guys from the step over there. Like it was, it was a good night, but it was, it was absolutely wild. And when the pick swap started going in, like when we saw Sacramento hit at 10, that ended up, that was actually the new Orleans pick from the boogie cousins trade. And the closer it got, uh, we knew that the, the chance or the likelihood of the Lakers pick falling out of the top three was there. Um, but then when Sacramento, um, you know, hit at five. We knew we went top three. And then I think I mean, you couldn't really hear it on the telecast because it was so loud. But I think that's when they said the Sixers are now in the top three. Yes. And that was the moment where I think just about everybody and their mother was just like, yo, if we don't get the Lakers pick, it's fine. We're top three. We're good with that. That means that Hinky swap, you know, pick swap went through. Life is great. Hail the Dark Lord. So it was an electric night and it was awesome. Let me go over the details, Kyle, before you go on. Let me just go to the details in case you're waking up and you don't know. Uh, The Lakers pick, they went number two, so that's protected. The Sixers will get the Lakers unprotected pick next year. Finally, we no longer have to hope for out of the top three for the Lakers. And then the draft after that, we have the Kings unprotected pick. And if you're looking at the Kings right now, that could be another insanely high pick. Uh, so it's they get the pick swap this year. Lakers unprotected 2018. Kings unprotected 2019. Kyle, what's up? No, I was going to say it seemed like from afar that more people cared about the pick swap last night than what the Sixers actually came out of there with. Like I, I know that was the thing the event was basically built around. Did the air come out of the room a little bit when the card came mm. out at number three? It was it was like a mixed reaction because I think people were still so ecstatic that the pick swap went through. Like my buddy's <laughs> brother, my, my, my buddy's brother, yeah. like jumped up and down just because it was a top three pick. And and I went into it kind of, you know, knocking down everybody's expectations because you'd walk around. People were like one and four. I said, set your expectation to five on its own, because if it's five, then like and you set your expectation to five, you'll be disappointed, but not that bad. If you go in thinking one and four, which is just unlikely, you're going to be disappointed no matter what. Kyle, was, I was the were you the opposite? Like when it came up three, like I was in a bar in San Diego when the pick swap happened. I saw Joel Embiid nod his head up and back. I lost my shit and it was great. And then when they got three, like I fell to the ground. Like I, to me, that felt deflating to me. I, first of all, the fact that you watch this in a bar in San Diego and you're recording this this morning at 6.13 a.m. at your apartment yeah, in babe. New York is, is impressive. Um, my, friend yeah, no, Leanne, yeah. my friend Leanne is like, why are you excited about getting a pick and not the pick? And I was like, listen, you just need to understand where I'm coming from. This is a, this is a process, Leanne. This is a process. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed yeah. too. Like, I, I I was most hopeful they came out of there with two picks. I didn't care. I didn't care yes. where exactly they they fell. If you could pull two picks in the top seven in any draft with what they already have, so a little bit of disappointment there when you realize the Lakers, unsurprisingly, 
uh, and I, we could talk about this in a minute, just happened, you know, happened to go sell Boston, L.A., Philly, one, two, three. Uh, once the Lakers were in the top three, I was like, all right, well, now at least we got a reasonable shot at number one here. And maybe if we could just hop in front of the Lakers, just so Embiid can look at Magic Johnson the way he did with that glare one more time, that would have been nice. Um, but I think Embiid's reaction summed up mine the best, where it's kind of like a like like an eye roll moment where you throw your head back and you're like, all right, here we are. This is four straight years of tanking. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer about this. It's they got no. a top three pick. They don't need a number one pick this year. But four straight you're years taking of tanking. the Howard. You're taking the Howard Eskin line. Not I at all. Him. Well, no, I'm just yes. saying. I saw yeah, you I get what you're saying. Him yesterday, and his whole thing was all this tanking for nothing, and it's. Yeah, but the, you know, I I don't I, want to I, call the process guys suicide bombers like he did. Not at oh, all. But it would have been nice no, to come no. out of four years of tanking with, um, uh, at least you know more than one number one pick. But hey, like I don't think they needed it this year. It would have been nice because the guy at number one is is in a position that they need. Like he Fultz would have been the perfect player for at this the team. same point. At the yeah. same point, I'm very happy. We got the number one last year compared to the number one this year. I'm much more confident in Simmons than I am anyone in this draft. And yeah. I will say that there's a part of me that is very happy that the Lakers are in front of us because I mean, it almost guarantees that Lonzo Ball will not become a sixer, right? Yeah. And I mm-hmm. could regret saying this in 10 to 15 years if he is a perennial all-star. But we talked about this last week. I don't want the kid. I don't want his family. Like, that's just where I'm at. So now begins the process of figuring out Josh Jackson, Malik Monk, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox. And that's something that this city will be debating for months. I know that, Kyle, you were excited when I saw people saying, what if we can package all of this up and trade to maybe get somebody else? What if Boston invests a lot of money in Isaiah Thomas and they don't want to go with a point guard, they go somewhere else and maybe Fultz Falls, which I think is highly unlikely, but... Um, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm really okay with the Lakers being ahead of us because of the Lonzo ball factor. I know that's weird. You have to think about whether or not Boston is going to try to field the best offer for that pick. And, and it might just be cautiously or or ridiculously optimistic of me to think it, but I would like to imagine a a scenario where Colangelo gives a call to Danny Ainge, Mr. I almost made a trade, but the other team backed out. Um, I, at this point, I think it's going to be time to start thinking about which assets are you fine trading as part of a, a way to jump over the Lakers and to get number one. I do not envision a scenario. I know that Boston has has made some iffy selections before going with Jalen Brown at the position they did last year, for example. But the idea that there's a chance that Boston will trade out because they're set at guard. The only way that I think they end up taking Fultz, not taking a trade, and certainly not picking Uh, Josh Jackson or something at number one is if they decide that they don't want to re-sign Avery Bradley. I think he becomes a free agent after 2018. Now, if they decide that they want to have Fultz and Isaiah Thomas as their backcourt of the future, I mean, you can't really blame them, right? Um, But I I really would like to see Philly try to make a trade up to that spot if it can net you Fultz. The only issue now is the, the cool thing, I guess, is I love knowing that we can root against the Lakers more than normal. And that we get to root against Lonzo Ball and subsequently LeVar Ball for an entire year and Magic Johnson for a year. And we know with that target on their back that we want them to absolutely be trash more than ever before because we know we're getting their pick. So 
I, I would love to see a scenario play out where we can get faults from uh, you know, that pick from Boston. And then know that next year you go into the lottery, the Sixers will make the playoffs next year. I would put about as close of a guarantee to it as possible. They what? will make the the Sixers will make the playoffs next year. How much are we sure. betting? I'll make that bet with you right now. Because if I'm wrong to make the playoffs, if I'm right, I win the bet. So what's the bet? I don't like, know. Well, let's I, go twenty bucks. Let's go twenty all right, bucks. That's fair. That's fair. All right, put it in the they, docket. They will make. Put that in will, Slack. Twenty dollar bet. Russell will, Joy. Uh, Sixers are going to the playoffs next year. Because look, one of two things you is guaranteed it, Russ. Uh, it's it's a definite. The only way it doesn't happen is if. Simmons' arm falls off, and Joel's foot breaks again. Stop. And in, in that case, we are in in that moment. Case, wait, dark, wait, 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 wait. Pause. Oh, oh, that's right. Our, our moment of and silence. Now, and now a moment of silence for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, because Russell Joy is bringing up other people's names. A moment of silence for their health. I just realized that any, I just realized anyone who listens to this on Overcast or an app that has like smart speed that cuts out the silent moments is never going to experience our moment of silence, and it's just going to cut. Well, right then they it. need to take one on their own. We but need Adam, like a, we need a low line music so that so it it bridges that gap. That's Look, fun. the only way that they don't make the playoffs, right? Like Simmons has to be at least decent. Embiid was transcendent last year. Dario's got another year. TLC's got another year. Covington's got another year. I mean, you've you've got the ability. Look, the Eastern Conference is not a great conference, right? It was better, you know, I guess comparatively than what the bottom of the West looked like last year. But making the playoffs, I'm not saying winning a first-round playoff series. I'm just saying making the playoffs is a totally attainable feat. If Joel Embiid stays healthy this past year, they're probably knocking on the door of making the playoffs. You add Ben Simmons to that in a lottery pick, and you're practically there. And then here's the other thing, uh, Kyle's favorite topic— does this get them closer? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't go there yet. Don't go there yet. We're, we're out ahead of our skis for a second. Hold on. So I'm with you that I actually think they can make the playoffs. I think they could have had a almost a shot this year if Embiid would have stayed healthy. I think he, Embiid is that good where if he plays an entire season or call it 60-plus games, even 55-plus games, and Simmons is healthy and everyone else is moderately healthy, there's no way the six you can't consider the Sixers a potential playoff team and anywhere between a six and eight seed. I think Embiid is that good on his own with the guys they have around him to make them definitely competitive if he's healthy. But um, as for the, like, the pick number itself, I'm intrigued because they, there's so many options here. When, when so, I, I saw people tweeting about moving up and I retweeted one of the guys because I, I guess I'm just, I wasn't ready to write in pen that the Celtics were willing to take on Fultz alongside Isaiah Thomas. But everything I read last night, it definitely seems like the, the Celtics are 100% penciled in for Fultz. They're going to do this. There's no interest in them moving back. So I, I, as much as I would like the Sixers to move up, I, I couldn't find a whole lot of smoke in any of the reporting that had been done before the lottery or last night or any of the major guys tweeting about it that this could actually happen. I wouldn't... I think there's a better chance the Sixers move back a pick or two. Mm. Josh, so like, look, they have so many options here. They could go, they can go in any number of directions. The four potential picks that everyone's talking about right now, in no particular order: Josh Jackson, Malik Monk, Jason Tatum, and De'Aaron Fox. And all, all four of them are different players. I guess you could argue for me, Malik Monk makes the most sense because the Sixers need a shooter. 
Uh, and he's probably not a guy you need to take at three. And if the Suns really like Josh Jackson and they're behind you, could Colangelo trade back a pick or two and pick up a little something? Maybe. That's something I would definitely trust Sam Hinkie to do, hold a guy hostage and swap. I'm not so sure I trust Colangelo to do it. Um, but the Sixers can go in any number of directions here. And then if they don't take a guy like De'Aaron Fox and they most likely don't wind up with, with Fultz or Ball – does this mean we get uh, Kyle Lowry? Like the conjecture is that Colangelo is absolutely going to throw some money at him now that you mm. don't have your guaranteed point guard of the future. So like, I, I want to kind of break down like each of these four potential picks. And if we think the Sixers can move in either direction out of that. Yeah, I think for me, um, I know that I, when I watch Kentucky, I like Malik Monk. I know he can shoot, but when I watch De'Aaron Fox, I see this freak athlete and we've talked about the, I mean, I, I, I need those guys on my team. I feel like he could be that defensive guard that matches up well with Simmons. Of course, a three point shooting's not there. Josh Jackson is the name that I know that everyone was talking about last night. Kyle, I know you kind of went into a wormhole. What is your initial take on Josh Jackson? Do you like the look of him? Yeah, so, all right, so I crawled out of that wormhole real fast. Um, and, again, this might be something I regret in a couple of years. So let's let's do this. None of us are, I would say, draft experts. No, we're not. All, yeah, we're not We're all on this. somewhat well-read on this. I spent hours last night now reading up hardcore on the four guys the Sixers are most likely to, to get that we just named. So let me give you, like, a high-level my take on each of these guys that, just so people listening can kind of quickly get filled in. Josh Jackson – uh, super athletic, really good in transition, probably the most talented and dynamic player of the bunch, but he doesn't have a great shot and struggles on D, like kind of your classic really athletic NBA guy who needs to round out his game. Malik Monk, shooter. Uh, Jason Tatum, really good out of the triple threat position, can shoot the three, really good scorer, very balanced scorer, but his, his strength is, is back to the basket and, and you know triple threat moves. And De'Aaron Fox, wiry, strong point guard, not a particularly great shooter, but super athletic. Concerns on him is that he has a small frame. I think he's like 185 pounds soaking wet or something like that. Like, are those reasonable flies. assessments of each of those guys? Anything no, you guys want to add? I think the, the one that's really interesting uh, is, is Jason Tatum. Because the issue that we are going to hear all the time on sports radio and what you're going to see with all this analysis and the reason why the Sixers will determine the draft for every other team after them what is the realistic expectation for where they're playing Ben Simmons and what is the offense going to look like? Because if you need a shooting guard, if you need a small forward, if you need a point guard, we don't know what Ben Simmons is yet. We don't know what to expect out of Ben Simmons. We don't know if they're building the team right now or if they're collecting really good parts. That's sort of my issue with the whole Kyle Lowry trade. It's okay. So we want to get the point guard, but we could have two top five picks next year. We could have two top five picks the year after that. So there is, in my opinion, there's no rush for a certain position. If they believe that Josh Jackson will be the best NBA player, then I think you need to get him because, look, I don't know what's happening with Embiid. I don't know what's happening with Simmons. And we know that we have maybe four top five picks coming in the next two years. That's just my take on the whole situation. But Tatum and and Fox and Jackson, it all depends on what they expect out of Simmons. This also is contingent on an international guy like Frank Frank Tillichina not, you know, 
skyrocketing up a board. And I think that might be where you see the Sixers trade back is in the scenario where Tilakina is absolutely going buck wild on these boards. And the Knicks, who were supposedly enamored with him as, as recently as March, um, decide to try to trade up from, I think they're at eight. The Knicks try to make a trade up to three and the Sixers say, hey, you know what? Like there's nobody who necessarily jumps off our board. We know that if we move back to eight, we're still going to be able to get one of these guys. Now, I... It does take you likely out of the De'Aaron Foxes, the Josh Jacksons of the world. Um, maybe on an off chance that Malik Monk falls that far. I I would like to see them get a shooter at that spot. So Monk is kind of my guy, but but Monk is also I think that's way too high to take him. So if you're watching a scenario where like they draft, I I, I don't know. Like I'd love to see if they can get Monk at a later pick, and they can pick up another asset for the future. That's fine. Um, but at, at three, I'm just a little bit nervous that we're going to reach for somebody. And I don't know if I, like, I want fit to be an important thing, but until we see how they actually want to play with Simmons, I think it's just a really risky proposition to take a potential ball handling point guard. I'm just going to say this right now, NFL draft. I like trading down and getting more picks because with NFL rosters, it makes sense. NBA, I do not like trading down. I think it is very hard to find guys later on. It's easy to bring up Isaiah Thomas, last pick of the draft. It's easy to bring up where you got Kawhi Leonard or Chandler Parsons. But I really think that you go for the guys in the top. And at number three, you're guaranteed to get one. We'll see where they go. But I'm look, we're going to learn a lot about Colangelo, what he values, the way he builds a team, and what he does in free agency. We have all this cap room. Does he go off and get Kyle Lowry? And then does getting Kyle Lowry impact how you build your team? Do you get the Tatum with the Kyle Lowry and avoid the Fox? It'll just be interesting. Kyle, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think. well, I think that that's, that's really what it is. Like right now, you have to be out of the draft the best available thing. I, like I think that is, is part of the process. So if, if you think Josh Jackson is right for the team, and for them moving forward, he's probably the best athlete and probably the highest upside of these of the guys the Sixers could potentially draft at three. Then you take him. But I, I think you have to get out of that. Well, we're just going to take the best player available, and we can figure out what to do with him later. I, the Sixers have they have to enter. They eventually have to enter a spot where you're beginning to build a roster. And to your point, Russ, you're right. Like until we know what we have out of Ben Simmons, he could play any one of four positions. It, you know it. On either end of the court, he could play different roles. Until we know what we have out of Ben Simmons, it makes it really tough to start building out the roster. And where I'm concerned is this really, this is where a the GM comes in. Because last year, it's a no-brainer to draft Ben Simmons. Uh, Colangelo hasn't had to do much. It was obvious he had to get rid of Noel or Okafor. But all the obvious moves are gone. They could go in one of any number of directions, starting, you know, starting with this pick. Like, who do you want? Do you think Ben Simmons is absolutely a point guard? Yeah, okay, then, then go for a guy. Like, Tatum might be the most unexciting guy on the board. Um, but he, he is a, like a, a very bona fide scorer. You know, he's not like super dynamic, but he's a guy who's going to be able to, to score in the NBA right away. Do you take a guy like Josh Jackson, who's like, I guess more of like sort of a dynamic swing guy and you stay away from Monk and Fox. But if you don't think Simmons is absolutely the point guard, then you could go with any of those four guys in the draft. And then, oh, by the way, free agency comes up. And do you go and get Kyle Lowry? And I know a lot of people think it's foolish, but 
the conjecture is now that Colangelo is absolutely going to make an offer, or do you try and trade before the draft for D'Angelo Russell? Because there's a lot of talk now mm. that if the Lakers are going to take ball, they're not going to be able to coexist. I could just see yeah, I'm Lonzo. Com- I'm going to see Lonzo complaining about D'Angelo Russell. I agree. I'm not a big Russell guy, but it seems like the Sixers for the last couple of years are always at an arm's length to Russell and whatever rumors are going on, you know, both leading up to the draft because everyone thought that was the guy they wanted and his name constantly comes up again. And there was an SI.com report last night that I'm guessing this came from the Lakers, but um, the teams are, you know, quote unquote, preparing their packages for D'Angelo Russell. So, there's a lot. I guess what's interesting, like there's no consensus right now. Every mock draft is different. Every expert, every fan, everyone has a different favorite of these four guys. And oh, by the way, there are potentially point guards available, uh, you know, through the trade or free agent market. Uh, let me get to two consensuses then. One, iTunes comments. One, we're up to 91 five-star reviews. Uh, guys, I'm, this is awesome. Shout out to PPP42 saying it's a breath of fresh air. Lord of all deck. Delco saying thank you. Be- better than uh, Sports Talk Radio. ECVD saying nice. Roman Mother, great podcast. Uh, let me just get to one question. ABBK4407, uh, keep up the good work, guys. Is it time for the Sixers to retire Moses Malone's number now so we don't have to deal with a potential LeVar Ball outburst? Uh, I can't believe Mal- Moses Malone's number is not retired. Is that a I thing? Agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, <laughs> thankfully, we get to uh, avoid the ball outburst anyway. Yeah, the other consensus that I wanted to get to was – The consensus that Joel Embiid continues to be a national treasure and continues to give us picture-worthy things that Kyle can tweet out there and get thousands of retweets of an eye roll towards Magic Johnson, his responses, his handling of the media, it's awesome. Kyle, I want to go into your wheelhouse. What did you think of the broadcast? Because I noticed that you said it was confusing, just the way it was televised. Yeah. I mean, look, they they have have 30 minutes – laid out for this and they don't start the actual lottery portion until what right about 850 and they cram it all into 10 minutes and all three of us knew pretty well the lay of the land and how this was going to shake out the the lottery is very confusing because as the the teams come up like the the swaps have already been generated whatever previous trades have been generated so the card already has all this information on it right and even to someone who knows, I was like all over the place when the Kings got the 10th pick and then the 5th pick. And like Embiid, his reactions were classic because he's looking around like, what the fuck is going on here? And He's the man, dude. And I, saw, and I tweeted, I was like, Embiid has no idea what's going on. And people were responding. They're like, neither do I. And these are people who like I have recognized as being people constantly tweeting about the Sixers' odds. And, and like we all kind of knew the lay of the land and how the pick could swap with the Kings and how they could get the Lakers' pick. It was outside the top three. But ESPN goes through it so fast that you like your head is spinning and like you need that commercial break between four and three to be like okay here's where we're at let's reset and then they come back and they cram the exciting part into the next 42 seconds like I just feel like you have a half hour use it explain to people you don't need to spend all 30 minutes doing it but give it another five or ten minutes explain to people what the hell's going on like I guarantee you there were people who knew every Every stat and odd you could possibly know about the Sixers swap with the Kings who were still confused when the Kings came up at five. You're like, wait, is this the Sixers pick? Is this their yeah. own pick? And like they touched on that, but they, they just like glossed right through it. And like before you could even register what's going on, the next name's coming up. 
Yeah, I think it was. I think it is super confusing. Uh, all I know is every time I saw Embiid, I've, I was filled with pride. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I really believe that other than Carson Wentz, he is like I feel like my son. And when I watch him, I, I just, I'm. It's so cool to have like an athlete that everyone loves, like. Magic Johnson keeps feeling the need to hug him. Like other players like want to go up and shake his hand. He's in there openly saying we're going to be good when LeBron and the Cavs are not like DeMarcus cousins feels the need to smack his ass up and down the court. He's talking about how I'm seven good looking and women love my accent. Why wouldn't Rihanna want to date me? Like I, I just, I know that we love him. I just feel like every time he he outdoes himself wearing a Joel Savage Embiid shirt. Like I, I don't think we're, I don't think we give him enough credit. Like I love him and I, I feel like I need to adore him or worship him because he just continues to blow me away that guys, this is like a 20 something year old kid that is, is perfect. Like every time he nails it. And he clearly reads everything. He clearly watches all this stuff. And that's the other thing that I took away last night is, yeah, are we going to get the franchise player uh, at number three? I don't know, because I know that the franchise player was sitting there last night. And man, I, I just, that was the only thing I'll take away from the broadcast, other than that I was confused as well, and I will admit it, is my love for Embiid continues to grow, and it's, it's getting to an unhealthy level. He is the perfect guy for the perfect time because he's he's authentic, right? I mean, he is. I don't want to drawing a parallel between him and Donald Trump doesn't make sense, but I think like what. But you're going to do it anyway, aren't you? I am. You're damn straight. But what makes one work in 2016 and 2017 is like this this you know quote unquote authenticity, which Trump really doesn't have, but that's what people thought he had. Like Embiid is just natural. Like nothing about him is scripted, and he's that is a perfect mindset to have in the social media world where everything is tweeted, everything is on Snapchat. Like he was built for Snapchat and Instagram stories, one hundred percent. And I want to add to this. Russ said something in the beginning of this podcast where he talked about. Uh, it was just, it's a, it's weird to be in a place with all these people that geek out over picks. And for me, I was thinking about this on the train. I don't think it's weird. I think it's weird that we celebrate fan bases that are ignorant to this information and we celebrate machismo about who really cares about percentages and odds. Like why would you not like the fact that we have a fan base that understands planning for the future, uh, getting draft picks, getting lottery balls, building through the draft, understanding what the percentages and the long odds mean, and then celebrating that. Like I am so proud that this franchise and the young fan base understands that and comprehends that and is about building. And so yeah, I'm not I'm not like it, it's a perfect example. Everyone should look at what the Brooklyn Nets did, and that's what a lot of older Sixers fans want. And I want them to look at it now and where they stand, and I want them to realize the ignorance of their ways. And that event last night and what it celebrates is why the Sixers are doing it the right way. And Colangelo, sir, please. I want you to ask for help. I want you to not do what you've always done, but to think about how it can be better. Because if this goes down, 
There is a banner that went up for Hinky. Something will, it will be the opposite for you if this doesn't go right. And man, I sure I, hope. I, how do you burn a GM jersey? Is that a thing? I really do hope that the Sixers continue to take advantage of the uh, non-compete clause in Sam Hinkie's contract through the very last day. And that Josh Harris, as sleazy as he is, um, consults with, with Hinkie on, on what to do next. Not no, that that's he's, not happening. That's well, not a thing. I don't know what you think has been going on for this Russ, past year fire, that, that he's... Russ, they're not uh, going to yeah. fire you. Russ, they're not going to fire you from the school and go, hey, so uh, how should we teach these kids next year? I'm also not Sam Hankey. Look, yeah, but that's you, not a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, no, like it, it, it's not a thing. I, I know, like your wishful thinking is that somehow, like they're back channeling with Sam Hankey, but it's it's not going to happen. But all the stuff, hey, Kyle, what did you think of Josh Harris's comments? Yeah, I well, know that was weird for you. That's what I was going. All the stuff we just talked about, the, like Adam, to your point, fan base. Awesome. No, we, like this happened with the NFL draft, and it's happening now with the lottery. We we understand the little things, and the NFL draft is a big deal, and it's easy to get excited about. But what makes Philly a great town is is stuff like this lottery party, because no other city. I looked at the Celtics party, and it was in a small bar. Like, yeah, there was maybe a hundred, two hundred guys there, and they had a TV crew there. Nothing like what was going on at Xfinity Live. Everyone in, in that fairness, room, it means it means so much less to them. Okay, fine, but it, like no one this. Has never had like i guarantee you this is unprecedented in the history of mba lotteries people throwing people throwing a party like that and and not only were was it just people turning out to drink and see what pick they got everyone in that room i guarantee you knew the odds knew the ramifications of the pick swap knew that you wanted to root against the lakers you know up to a certain point and then you wanted them to get picks like four and five everyone knew that that doesn't happen anywhere joel Embiid, awesome authentic perfect guy for the time the guy who's not, you know, and Sam Hinkie, like we adore him. Brian Colangelo could either burn this all down or he himself, he makes this work. Then he gets a, he gets a fucking statue if he builds them into a winner, right? So it's all possible. The one, the one guy in this <laughs> who like runs counter to all that is fucking Joshua Harris, who like talk about a spineless jellyfish. All right. So after the, after the lottery, I guess he told some reporters in New York, he said, thank you, Sam Hinkie. And I think he said something to the effect of, I'm going to to text him a big kiss um, first of all i don't know how you do that i'm looking to find video or audio of these comments but the gordon jones the kiss is the emoji world. you send the kiss emoji with a little heart on the lips do you think adam Har- hey. uh, joshua harris knows how to use the emoji keyboard um Man, i'm sure I he's probably so. he's probably dating some like you know 20 year old who could so i don't know but here like if you like, made your money in tech Fuck this guy. Like, I don't have a problem with the process, but this he comes in here, he puts a carnival barker and Adam Aaron in front of, in, in charge of the team. They bring on Hinky, the the guy who took all the shit for this while ownership was like, Yeah, you know what? Don't spend money. We will triple our worth in the team. And then in a few years from now, if we have a chance, then we're gonna then we're gonna spend and try and win. And I don't doubt I, I'm not like one of the conspiracy theorists who thinks they're never gonna try here. They're, they've dumped a lot of money into the team, into branding, into their practice facility facility um, by all account you know they did spend on Andrew Bynum early so I'm not convinced this ownership doesn't want to spend they've invested in the D-League sure you've enabled Sam Hinkie 
to, to do what he did and take all the shit. Like, he doesn't do that on his own. This is absolutely with Joshua Harris's blessing. You let him go through this. You let him take all the swords. And then you shrink under... You, you're a fucking multi-billionaire. And you shrink under the pressure of the league and the Colangelos of the world. And you push out the guy who built all this. Who, by the way, is not like some rube who's like, well, I'm, ju- I'm just going to lose. Like, some of the stuff Sam Hankey did is genuinely genius that you see happening with these pick swaps. They're going to have the Lakers first pick next year and the Kings first pick in 2019 after robbing the Kings of their pick this year. Sam Hinkie, it, it yes, anyone could lose. Not everyone could turn all those assets into all these assets that are still giving three and four years down the road. So Sam Hinkie, a genuine, like, heady, intelligent guy, you push him out. There's no reason to think that he wouldn't have been able to solve some of these problems we're talking about with the Sixers' options at number three. And I'm not so sure I have any more confidence, definitely not more confidence in Brian Colangelo to do it. So for Harris to stand there and, like, feign his adoration of Hinkie when he allowed him to get thrown to the wolves, pushed him aside, embarrassed him like fuck you dude like fuck you let the fans have that and that's what i hate about him and scott o'neill like they didn't want to buy into any of this fucking process bullshit until all of a sudden they saw twenty thousand people chant and trust the process and they're like you know what well we're just we're all in on this fucking phonies you're good businessmen i like the business stuff they're doing with the team the branding the court looks awesome the jerseys look awesome but fuck you let the fans have some stuff this really is like when you're in school and you've got a group project and there's two guys in the class who are awful at everything and they know they're awful. So they go find the introverted nerdy kid who's really awesome at everything. The, the nerdy kid does all the work, writes the script, or does, does like the majority of all of the, the hardest work, the content-related stuff. And then when they go to actually compile the project, the kid has an, a family emergency and the other two bail and then email the teacher and say, hey, this guy didn't do anything. That's essentially what just happened here with Sam Hinkie, and, and it really is a shame. The positive is, because it is such an educated fan base, people can see through this kind of nonsense. Now, maybe the sports radio guys won't. Maybe they haven't to this point, but it's kind of hard to, uh, to miss it now. I do want to point out, I don't know if we were going to do any kind of segment of uh, people having a good day or walking the Kenwood Trail, but I've got one for both. Go ahead. Do it. Uh, I think the guy who won last night, besides Joel Embiid, was Nick Stauskas, who I don't know if you guys saw this tweet. He tweeted last night, raindrop, drop top, we be converting on the pick swap, hashtag, thanks, Sack, with a, a tongue out emoji, um, trolling his former team. Uh, walking the Kenwood Trail, for all of this love that we've had for Sam Hankey, I must say that the guy who has to be at this point walking the Kenwood Trail is former GM Billy King, who is the architect of the trade that led to Boston getting the number one pick. If you recall, he made the trade for Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and Kevin Garnett in exchange for essentially peanuts. I believe Marshawn Brooks was in that that trade. Um, It also ended up becoming the first-round picks that became James Young, Jalen Brown, and now this first overall pick. And then another first overall pick that is also unprotected in the future. So he is certainly walking the Kinwood Trail. And as much as I don't actually necessarily hate the Brooklyn Nets, I don't hate their fans like I do the Celtics. But man, I kind of feel bad for Brooklyn because they got end of career Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry and Paul Pierce. They got two playoff appearances and a not very successful run. And a guy who's long gone as their GM 
is a guy who absolutely tore down that franchise to a level that I don't think we've ever seen before. You can say what you want if you're a hinky detractor and say that this guy like tore it down, but he had a plan. Billy King absolutely mortgaged not just the future, but he mortgaged an entire franchise's decade for the sake of getting some past their prime stars. Two and franchises. He was everything that's, and he was everything that was wrong with the NBA and with traditional uh, front office guys. So I guess even though I'm not sold on Brian Colangelo, I am so thankful that we do not have Billy King. Well, he ruined like he ruined two franchises. He ruined the Sixers for the better part of a decade, and he did it to the Nets. And like to anyone who's, who stands there, and I, Howard Eskin was there last night, and he was keeping on his shtick about everyone drinking the Kool-Aid, literally calling all the people there suicide bombers, which is odd. Like, I, I, at this point, it's very tongue-in-cheek with him, but this, that is the alternative. What Billy King did and trying to buy your way into relevancy, it doesn't work in the NBA. You, you have to start from the bottom up. So, like, I'm fully on board right now that the Sixers need to turn a page, and this is the time where you start deciding what do we have, how are we actually building this into a team. You have to eventually stop collecting the assets. But, like, look at the position the Sixers are in now. It's going to take several steps to get them to be really good, but they have all the opportunity in the world, and there's really not much else you could ask for for what Hanky did. I do want to have, like, one last thought uh, for, for you guys. You know, we talked about these different draft prospects at three, and it seems like so many of them we talk about they're not good shooters. They need to work on their game. At what point, and you don't have to answer this now, but at what point do we get sick and tired of this guy is athletic, this guy has a lot of you know potential gifts physically, at what point do we just say it's time to go out and actually get a knockdown shooter? And I think that's why I'm enamored with Malik Monk, not at three, but I'm just enamored with him in theory, and, and especially why I'm, I would even consider trading that Lakers pick uh, as part of a package deal to move up to one and get Fultz. I think at some point this team needs to have guys that can knock down a shot, that can spread the floor for Embiid and Saric and Simmons. It, it's been nice to be able to say that like the team is bad, so you've got to take the best guy available. But at some point, you have to put this thing together and get legitimate shooters. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, I, I think, look, Ben Simmons' strong point is is as a playmaker. And this is why I didn't think they were ever really going to take ball, because they're both playmakers. Embiid is just a special freak, right? At a certain point, you need someone who has a unique scoring touch. Tatum might be that guy, because he could play back-to-basket and shoot threes. A little bit inconsistent on the three from what I've read, but he seems like the guy who might make the most sense, because he doesn't really... Um, contradict with either of those players. He kind of compliments them well, even if he's not that exciting. But I agree with you. On a guy like De'Aaron Fox or Josh Jackson, you're taking these athletes who can't shoot, and at a certain point, you're going to have like this freak athletic... Imagine Josh Jackson, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons on the court together. They're all sort of freaks in their own regard, but they're not. you don't really have a spot-up shooter or just a natural point scorer. Um which is, again, part of the reason why I think Colangelo might reach for Lowry because there's an argument to be made there that as he gets older, he could play off the ball as he improves as a three-point shooter. As someone who's watched a lot of Lowry, I think he's a really good three. 
Like the last couple of years, he's been a good three-point shooter, but he, he doesn't look like a natural shooter, and it worries me if the Sixers would, take, would, would pay him all that money and then try and turn him into a spot-up shooter. I know that's kind of all over the place, but like to your point, I agree they need a shooter, and they might think that guy is Lowry, and as much as I like him, I don't think Lowry is a quote-unquote shooter. It's, it'll be interesting, and the cool thing is, is we have about another month of figuring out what the Sixers will do and the moves they're going to make. Uh, for everyone that has commented on iTunes with five-star reviews, we appreciate you. The tweets, I'm sure Kyle will send out a tweet on Thursday asking for uh, what you guys want to talk about for Friday's episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, we post three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m. Uh, subscribe to the show. Share it, guys. We love you, as always, for doing that. Uh, appreciate you. If you did uh, do the moment of silence for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, Keep them in your prayers. That silence goes a long way into our NBA championship in 2022, Philadelphia 76ers world champions. Uh, Russ, Kyle, anything before we go? Uh, no, um, keep the questions, questions up front. Like, I want to unpack this. I, I'm so intrigued by the, like, the, to me, this is more exciting than the NFL draft because you could really see, like, like you're building a team now. You're building one of five guys on the court. So send questions about like what the Sixers can do because I think there's a lot of ways they can go and there's a lot we could really discuss on strategy and how to how to build this team. I I think I'm just going to kind of fade into obscurity like uh, Chris Carlin did at uh, at yesterday's lottery party. I'm just going to go totally unnoticed at this point and nobody will talk to me unlike pretty much any other radio personality who was there yesterday, well, including Ike Reese. So, yeah, so when no one was around Carlin, I saw him tweeting, like, this is our time. Like, dude, like, be a little authentic. You, you, you know, like, you came here eight months ago. I, I feel like we see right through that stuff. The same way we see through the Josh Harris stuff, talking about Sam Hinkie, I feel like people could see through Carlin's shtick. Like, at least with Josh Innes, you actually got the sense that he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to become a Flyers fan. I'm going to watch every game. I don't get the sense that Carlin gives one half of a shit and that he's just full of hot air. See, I just derailed our ending here, and I yeah, apologize for that, Adam, because Go you ahead. did you did such a nice job of weaving this and winding it down. But I will say that of all the people that I saw there yesterday, I think he had the least fan interaction. So uh, that you know, you, you get to be the drive time guy. You're a corporate plant, and nobody wants to talk to you. I actually kind of felt a little bit bad for him. Russ with the wow. daggers, late late morning wow. daggers. Late lasers by Russ. He knew that most people clicked off after I started summing it up so he could feel safe launching those. And now we have the ability to say, hey, make sure you listen to the last second. Yeah, because Russ is a flame-throwing Fuego Meister. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back on Friday. I'd be chatting on the interweb. Maggots prey upon the living dead. Just in the things she said.